If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. If you're inspired by today's podcast episode, and hopefully you will be, then you might well want to know about our recorded webinar sessions. There are two particular ones that link really well to today's podcast. Um, We've got one which is called Structures and Spaces, which is all about inspiring young architects through block play. So if block play is your thing, if, if today's podcast episode has really got you thinking about block play, that particular course is definitely for you. Another one is a course called It's a Small World, which is all about inspiring young children's storytelling through small world play. And we look in detail at small world areas. We think carefully about the resources and the materials that it's really important to provide. Okay, so two of the sessions there, recorded as webinars, they're £35 per person. Each one is £35 per person. And if you want to know more information, there's lots of information about it on the Early Excellence website. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Uh, Welcome along to episode 17 of the Early Excellence podcast. The episodes are really stacking up now, aren't they? Um, Remember, you can go back and listen to previous episodes with your team if you'd like to. Um, I do hear from quite a lot of people, a lot of early years leaders particularly, who use the podcast as a great way of sparking reflection and discussion with their teams. So if that's not something you've thought about previously, well worth having a go at that. Now, on to today's episode. Well, at Early Excellence, we talk a lot about the importance of the classroom environment and also about the careful planning of the space too. Part of this is about knowing which resources should be stored near to or alongside other sets of resources so that they can be used together. In this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to look carefully at a really good example of this, and that is small world play and block play. Presenting these two sets of resources together will provide a full range of storytelling possibilities and also language-rich opportunities. So I've recorded a short piece all about the key considerations and I'll be back at the end with some key questions to consider. Okay, so here you go. Decisions you make about how you organise and arrange your classroom will have a big impact on the quality of the learning that occurs there. Well-organised, well-planned provision areas provide meaningful opportunities for independent exploration, effective interactions and focused teaching. Some areas of provision and collections of resources are most effective when used in relation to others. One good example of this is the small world and block area. So what would this look like and how might it be organised? Well, to get the best out of both areas, they should be situated together. In this way, children will be able to use the blocks to create their own story settings and scenes for the small world characters that they choose. This will be far more effective than providing the children with a a prepared or manufactured small world setting in advance. 
so such as a, a doll's house or a toy castle, as it will engage them in the process of building. It will encourage them to share their ideas and also to talk about what they know and enable children to modify their ideas as they play. For small world and block play to be effective, you'll need a clearly defined area where children can access the resources as independently as possible. Create the space away from any high traffic areas in your classroom and provide enough room, if possible, for large, elaborate buildings and story settings to really take shape. A carpet or rug will also be useful because this will deaden the noise and make the space more comfortable for the children to kneel down. Now, what about resources? Well, you'll need a good selection of wooden blocks, which offer lots of possibilities for exploration and also for discussion. The blocks should be of different sizes and should also include a wide range of mathematically regular shapes, including cubes, cuboids, cylinders, cones, as well as more unusual ones, such as reels or natural wooden pieces. In addition to this, you might want to add different shapes and sizes of wooden boards also, so that children can link towers together and also create floors within buildings. As you're planning this space, you might also want to consider other materials to spark children's curiosity and imagination. Mirrored or clear perspex blocks Wooden arches and doorways can be a great imaginative starting point for young children's ideas. You might also want to consider reclaimed material, such as cardboard cylinders, buttons and plastic reels. The more open-ended the resources, the better. Now we'll need to consider how these blocks are stored and organised in order to promote independence, and to maximise the number of learning opportunities that are provided. Ideally, blocks should be stored directly onto an open shelf so that the children can readily access them. Shadow backing on each shelf promotes easy access and if this is done well, it can lead to discussions around shapes and their properties. For this, you'll need a roll of sticky backed plastic. This can be cut out and stuck directly onto a shelf to provide a, a space or a place for each shape or block. Store some shapes together so that the children are encouraged to recognize both the parts and the whole. So for example, two semicircular arched shapes placed together will create a circular shape. So we're prompting the children to see the, the two parts and the whole shape. For a key stage one block area, labelling could include a further degree of challenge. In this way, you might include cylinders set out as an array. So for example, they might be labelled or set out in three rows and then labelled as three plus three plus three. Measurements can be included effectively too. So cylinders, for example, could be stored standing up on a circular shape, but also they could be stored alongside a cylinder of the same height so that you have perhaps eight centimeter cylinders stored together and 10 centimeter cylinders stored together or 15 centimeter cylinders stored together. 
by adding in a ruler, by having a ruler on that shelf, what we're prompting the children to do there is to measure the cylinder and to put it away on the right circle that would be labelled with the height of cylinder that belongs there. With effective adult support, this level of detail promotes discussion and the use of the correct terminology. As the children's ideas develop and as they become particularly interested in themes or concepts, you'll want to enhance your provision with other materials to challenge their thinking further. Collections of big rolls of paper and pens, when modelled by an adult, are a great way of engaging the children in story mapping and writing as parts of small world and block play. At other times, mirrors or different light sources can prompt further exploration of reflection, light and shadow. And what about the adults? Well, if we thought through all of the learning opportunities in such a detailed way, then it's also important to consider the, the adult role in this space too. Well-planned resources and experiences provide a range of learning opportunities, but these will need to be maximised by the adults in the setting too. Adults should use the correct names of shapes when talking about the block area and engage with the children's ideas within this space. Consider where there are times in the day for children to talk about what they plan to do or to review what they have already done within this space. So you might want to think about your timetable. Do you allow enough time for talk about what happens within the blocks and small world area? Conversations like these are an opportunity to celebrate and to value their learning and can take children's learning to a new level, reinforcing new vocabulary and challenging their ideas and concepts. So lots to think about there. The block area provides all sorts of possibilities for language development, for storytelling, all sorts of opportunities for mathematics too. But we've really got to think carefully about the role of the adult in how we support learning that takes place there, but also how we challenge children's thinking to really extend their thinking using blocks and small world as a valuable learning experience. Okay, so lots to consider there. I hope you found that useful. What I've done now is I've put together some key questions for you to consider. So when we think about block play and we think about small world play, let's think first of all about the organization of the room. Do you currently offer wooden blocks alongside small world resources? The reason that I ask this is, as we've just been exploring, by having the two together, there are far more possibilities for storytelling and more possibilities, for, I think, for exploration of story setting and character and so on. But also, many people see wooden block play as being just part of their small construction resources. And I think it's important to think about them as separate to that and to store them with small world play instead. Okay. What else? Well, when we store them together in that way, we've also got to think about the range of materials and the resources that we're providing. So a key question has got to be, what range of materials do you provide? Currently, do you provide a range of different shapes, different sizes of blocks? 
Do you have natural materials, perhaps reclaimed materials? Certainly open-ended resources provide all sorts of possibilities for story setting, play and for imaginative ideas. So in terms of shapes, do you have cubes, cuboids, cones, cylinders? Do you have a range of different shapes as well as other materials too? Okay. What else? Well, we've got to think about the organisation, haven't we? We've got to think about how those wooden blocks are going to be organised. You can, of course, store them in great big boxes. So all of your wooden blocks in big boxes. But um, if you do so, well, you're probably missing out on lots of the learning possibilities. By storing them directly onto shelving and by providing shadow backing on that shelving, it means that actually when it comes to tidy up time, the children are matching the shapes that, are, that they've got there with the shapes, the 2D shapes that are on the shelf. Um, a great material to use when shadow backing is a material called Fablon. It comes on a roll and it's like a sort of sticky back plastic and it's available from Amazon. So Fablon. You can draw around your shapes on, onto the fablon and then cut it out and you can then peel it off and stick it directly onto your shelf. OK, so just a top tip there for, for high levels of organisation within that space. What else? Well, another key question has got to be having thought about the level of resourcing and organisation as well. We've got to think about the role of the adult next, I think. So. How often does your team engage with children in the blocks and small world area? Is it an area that children just go into or is it a space that's used effectively by the adults as well? Do adults, do adults support and scaffold? Do they facilitate within this space? Do they engage with the children's ideas? Do they support them in problem solving within this space? So do we use the area in a wide range of different ways to support our children's learning? And finally, when we think about the children within this space, creating story settings and having their own ideas, how are those ideas within the blocks and small world area seen by the adults? Do we see them as stories? Do we celebrate the stories that children are telling within the blocks and small world areas, do we, do we celebrate them as stories? Because if we're wanting our children to be confident writers, and of course they'll need a range of different skills to become confident writers, but if we're wanting them to become confident writers, they will need to be confident storytellers first of all. They need to understand what it is to enjoy telling a story to become confident in mapping out a story and having those story ideas. And the blocks and small world area is the perfect space where this can happen. So when children are telling stories within this space, do we scribe those stories? Do we record those stories? Do we celebrate them? Do we have, do we make a record of those, space, that's, those stories that happen within this space in floor books and on displays? There's such a lot that we can do here to celebrate the storytelling that happens within the small world and block play area. 
And that's about it for this week. Um, join us next week. We're going to be talking to Maeve and Jasmine from the Co-op Academy Trust um, at Oakwood in Leeds. Um, they're going to be telling us all about their new book, a really inspirational book called Rainbow Birds. So you definitely don't want to miss that. So join us next week for that. Okay, have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.